more. Hey, there we go. Mics work better when I'm unmuted. Um, and so that's me. That's a good joke, right, Cannon? Thank you. So, all right, Luke chapter 3. Uh, Luke 3, if you didn't hear what I said before, it doesn't matter. Um, so, so if you are watching, uh, let's just say the gospel of Luke on the big screen, when we arrive at chapter 3, uh, the beginning verses would simply be a black screen uh, that says 30 years later. All right? Uh, and so as that opens, uh, the, the scene would take us into a desert with a strange-looking man uh, who's wearing camel-haired clothes, eating locusts, uh, telling people to repent. Okay? Uh, and, and I think this would come as a shock to really uh, just the casual observer because it would seem that the tone between chapters 1 and 2 have changed because chapters 1 and 2 kind of seem to hug you, right, by, by looking at uh, God's mercies and as he sends Jesus into our story. And, and as we uh, saw last week, uh, we see this, this glory that's being revealed to us uh, in, in just the tender mercies of our Heavenly Father. And, and we saw last week in that in, in how in Jesus' name, how he is set apart to be our, our Savior. And we saw in his purpose uh, how everyone will see the light and how his people will benefit greatly. We saw in uh, the response that Anna has, uh, the prophetess, uh, that, that she simply just gives us a model to follow when we see Jesus. That, that we would simply give thanks to God, right? Uh, and then we would tell other people about him. Uh, and then... We ended when, with Jesus in his home alone situation where his family's heading back home and he stays in Jerusalem and, and they get a day down the road and they say, oh, where's our son? Uh, and then remember they turn around and they go back to the temple and, and Mary says, son, we were worried about you, you know, like any loving mother would do. And he looked at her with all respect and with all humility says, didn't you know I have to be in my father's house? And so as we arrive 30 years later, God, here's what I need you to know, that God is just as merciful. But what we're going to arrive to today are some words and some instructions that may make us feel uncomfortable. And that's good. That's a good thing. Uh, that, that God is just as merciful in chapter 3 than he was at the end of, of chapter 2. He's just as caring as these verses that had us smiling at the births of babies and the promise of redemption and the glory that, that he's displaying. And I think, however, uh, we're going to see through John's word this morning really the seriousness of, of sin as the mercy of God is extended to sinners like you and, and like me. And what's interesting is how people at least this is the way I grew up thinking about it, is how people will think that John and Jesus are completely separate in their theologies. And they're not. In fact, John will, will develop the reputation as, as a loud street preacher uh, who's telling you to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then Jesus will be like, he's way cooler, right? He's more relational. He's really laid back. Uh, and, and now what, what's imperative that we would understand is that Jesus and John say the exact same thing. 
both of them will walk into our lives and say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Both of them will preach a theology of the forgiveness of sins and how those sins are forgiven. And both of them will walk right in and they will point to the same destination for salvation. And so, so, so we've been exploring these, these past six weeks, uh, kind of this back and forth of the focus between John the Baptist and Jesus. It's, it's an incredible balance uh, that, that Luke gives us in these opening uh, chapters. But, but where we've been kind of bouncing back and forth between Jesus and John, what's, what's going to begin to happen, and, and I thought it was going to be today, but we, we're not going to get as far as I wanted to get. Uh, but, but John's focus, our focus on John is going to decrease. And our focus on Jesus is going to increase, which ironically enough is the exact thing that John wants to happen. Uh, John will constantly come in and, and people, there's, there's this moment in the Gospel of John uh, where his disciples come up and they say, Hey, uh, Jesus seems to be more popular than you. In fact, they're not, not as many people are coming to the desert to be baptized. And doesn't that bother you? And John will look and he'll say, I must decrease so that he must increase. And so we're going to see this balance start to, to become imbalanced uh, as Jesus is brought more and more to the forefront of our hearts and our minds and the words uh, here. And so as we dive into verse 1, let's stop for a second. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we come to you and we thank you. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that, that our sins in Jesus have been washed away. And now we have a new heart and we have a new purpose for living. One that actually matters. And I pray in these moments that we be very mindful of what these verses give us. What your word gives our hearts. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to our inward parts. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. All right, let's go. Verse 1. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, be, being governor of Judea, and Herod, being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of um, Springtown, uh, and Boyd, and Lysanias is the tetrarch of Abilene, like the legit city down. No, it's not two hours down the road, guys different Abilene, all right? Some of you were very confused, uh, I could tell. During the high priesthood of Annas and uh, Caiaphas, and the word of God, okay? Here's what, I'd like you to underline these words. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, and circle this phrase, in the wilderness, okay? So, so as, as Luke kind of, uh, we, we've moved from the prelude and we're moving into the the story mode, uh, we get to, Luke gives us the public context, okay? Uh, and so, so John will begin his public ministry in the 15th year of, of uh, Tiberius Caesar. So he's the, the Caesar who rules, of, uh, who are the rulers of the Roman world. Uh, and again, remember, uh, the Jews at this time, Israel, uh, is occupied by the Romans. And so, so beneath Caesar was a governor named Pilate. And then uh, beneath Pilate were three tetrarchs. Uh, or, or think of them as overlords. Uh, and, and they ruled various regions. Now, now Herod is probably the most known to us. Uh, because uh, he ruled uh, Galilee. Which was uh, Jesus' hometown 
area. And now, now, but not only does, does Luke introduce us to the political hierarchy, uh, but he re- introduces us to the religious hierarchy. Okay, so, so this may all seem foreign to us, and that's really because it is. Okay, are you with me there? Uh, but if you were a reader of this, or this gospel, an early reader of this gospel, you would know and you would understand these references uh, to time the way that we would reference uh, the time of President Reagan uh, or the time of, of President Clinton, uh, considering this gospel is written about 30 years after Jesus dies and resurrects. And so, so this gospel, again, is, is starting to be circulated around 62 to 70 A.D. And so, so when you read this, people are like, oh, yeah, that would have been during uh, that time. And so, so Luke gives us really the entire civil and the religious order of Jewish society under uh, Roman occupation. And, and we're left to, to think of these people, uh, that these would be the people who are the movers and the shakers of Jesus' day. They, they are very much just power brokers. Uh, and so, so what's most striking is the point of verse 2, in that God's word came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Uh, that, that it's interesting to follow where, where God's word goes. That, that the word or the revelation of God keeps going to these little or, or seeming insignificant people. Right? It, it doesn't go to Caesar, and it doesn't even go to the priests with their robes and their religious movement. It goes to shepherds who are in fields who are just keeping watch over the flock. It goes to a virgin uh, young woman. Uh, it goes to uh, these, these old men and this old woman who are well past their age of childbearing. That, that, that it goes to Zechariah's son, who is John who doesn't love the world and doesn't follow the ways of the world, he lives in the wilderness. And in Luke's gospel, little people become significant people. And I think that's a wonderful thing in a world, uh, and really a Christian church, where, where we are so intoxicated with the powerful. That, that, that we love the elite, even if we just love them so that we can complain about them. Right? Uh, we, we love the rich and the famous, and, and too frequently our hearts want to create idols out of entertainers and, and athletes when, when God uses these everyday people for everyday purposes for the sake of his name. Every day. So, so the word of God comes to John in the wilderness. And now let's see what he does with it. Verse 3. And he went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming, okay, this would be something worth underlining, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That he proclaims a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice.